Yo-ho, Lord Helmet, and welcome to ELL 223. Hey, have you guys checked out Zippix Toothpicks yet? Because if you haven't, you are a fool and a moron. Z-I-P-P-I-X Toothpicks.com, longtime sponsor of the show. These things are awesome. I've told you about the nicotine-infused toothpicks they have. They've got like eight different flavors, two milligrams, three milligrams, Give you that hand-to-mouth feel. So if you're a smoker, a vapor, or just somebody that wants to get that little buzz when you're out drinking, these things are awesome. And uh, trust me, you, they can really help kind of, you know, curb that craving and hold it off a bit if you do need a cigarette or if you are somebody that does like that. Uh, a buddy might actually use them to help him get off vaping too, which is great. And they've got the B12 caffeine toothpicks help with the hangover. I can't say enough good about them. And the best part is, guys, you can get 10% off your order with promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R, ROAR, like a lion, at zippixtoothpicks.com. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello out there, everybody. How's your hair, everybody? Mine's great. Don't have much. Welcome to the show, everybody. Electric Liberty Land 223 up in your ear holes. Show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash episodes slash ELL223. I want to start the show off today by talking about a story I saw out of Spain, uh, Siesta Spain, Lazy Espanol, uh, wherein the socialist leadership, which now is, uh, I guess, the dominant majority as far as power share in that country, in politics, are trying to push a four-day work week. And have already allocated something like $60 million US. I'm not sure exactly how that translates into uh, whatever currency they're using over there, the euro, but... They've already allocated like $60 million and are trying to get companies on board, like the 100 biggest companies in Spain, to test out a pilot four-day work week. Now, I will say this. On the surface, right, especially during – like I get the rationale for it in a way. We look at the basics of how things have evolved with technology, right, wherein we're all kind of on all the time. And I don't know about you guys, but – one of the things about my job that I make very clear and uh, I convey this to my clients. And like I said, I, I do public relations for a living. I've always stuck to look, I work um, without, unless I make a very specific exception to this rule, right? Only for special events that might happen on a weekend, only with prior notice, I'll make an exception, but I work five days a week. I work Monday through Friday I am available from 9 a.m. until 5.30 p.m. Outside of that, do not expect a response. Do not expect me to check my email. Do not expect to reach me, et cetera. You know, if it's an emergency, sure. If the uh, if a helicopter, like <laughs> I remember one time, way back in the day, a helicopter, we, we had worked with a, a company that basically leased helicopters and did like aerial flights for like news choppers, right? Or they work with the military and they'd have like these FLIR cameras in there. They were like ultra uh, infrared cameras. So they would lease these companies or lease these uh, news companies, a helicopter. Now at one point, their helicopter had flown into a building in New York city. Now this was before 9-11. Uh, no, this was after 9-11. Sorry. So it flew into a helicopter in New York city 
And that, of course, you know, not great. <laughs> not great when your choppers are flying into buildings. So anyway, in that, in that instance, sure, I'll jump on, do a little extra work. But that was also before the times when we had cell phones and emails and, you know, we're infinitely reachable at all times and it's hard to shut off our brains. So I get why some people in, especially if you're a, a socialist government or a progressive, would be pushing to have a more woke work week, as I'll call it, and reduce your working uh, time down to four hours a day. Now, naturally, these socialists are saying, well, we haven't had a reduction in the work week since we won, quote unquote, won the eight hour work week or eight-hour workday, you know, the 40-hour workweek, because these people like to pretend as though that was simply the doing of unions and what did more to do with the fact that technological advancements didn't require people to put in actual man hours working that long. But I understand what they're saying. We're always on all the time for the work-life balance, for the sanity of your own, you know, your own well-being and to make sure you're spending time with your family and getting that, that downtime you need. Let's give people an extra day off. Fine. If private companies want to enter in that sort of relationship, and they were showing some stats, I was reading a fucking kicking trash cans every time. I was reading a Zero Hedge article on this where they saw there was, in fact, quite a decent rise in companies posting four-day work weeks as a attractive offer to, I guess, you know, lure in the best talent. So that's already a thing that's happening. And if, again, if you're a private company trying to do that, go for it, man. You know, I've always thought, if I eventually take over my business, which is, has always been the plan, of course, COVID derailed things quite substantially. But if I were to take over my firm and uh, presuming this whole podcasting thing doesn't uh, skyrocket and, and not allow me to simply do this full time, which guys, if you guys join, you know, support this show, share it, grow it, get on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, hear my new daily rant show. You guys... Get us to that point. Wouldn't you like to have this be a three times a week electric liberty land? But of course, got to have a lot more money coming in to do that. But anyway, should I have this company? I would, without a doubt, talk to people and look at what I would want my work schedule to be. We have already evolved into a virtual company. We no longer have physical offices. There just wasn't a much of a point to doing it in an industry wherein we are basically emailing and on the phone, but we don't really need to have meetings. We don't have, you know, unless I need to micromanage my employees. And if I've done a good job hiring, I shouldn't have to do that. Then I don't need to be on top of them all the time. At the same time, I know how well I work, right? So for example, my best hours in the day, like right now, I decided today to record this episode a little earlier. I'm probably going to be a little bit more, more coherent than I usually would be on this show because half the time, or I'd say 90% of the time when I record ELL, it's after a full day of work when I'm already kind of tired, I'm trying to get it done so I can then, you know, go make dinner or have a uh, time with my family. And I'm a little bit uh, off the rails. <laughs> So I work best between the hours of roughly 9.30 and noon. Then I have my lunch. I get sleepy after lunch. Probably best if I take a little napsy. Then, I, then I'm effective again, you know, let's say 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, right? So there's hours that I'm more effective and less effective. And even if when I was in a physical office environment, I would not be really working that hard in my down hours because I'm tired, I'm distracted, or I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> you know, I had, you know, work smarter, not harder, but you know, I effectively get my job done and I still very effectively get my job done. Um, 
you know, something I've been complimented on by every single person that's worked with me is my effectiveness in getting the results that, that they want. So when we look at a four-day work week, fine. If that's going to be more effective, if you're going to get more production out of your staff, out of your uh, your workers by going to a four-day work week, and you have workers that's, that are working smarter uh, or harder in that time because they come in more refreshed, they have, let's say, maybe you do two days on, one day off, two days on, you know, one off kind of thing, fine. Go for it. If you're getting the production out of there that's getting a profit for your business, that is awesome. Fucking go for it, man. And I'm all for it. I'd love to work one day less a week. But when you have a government mandate for it, now you're asking for trouble. Because number one, you're forcing every business to rethink how it operates. I mean, think about how you're going to have to completely retool your staffing. You're going to have to completely retool hours worked by people. You're going to have to completely retool how much production you're going to be able to output a day. Uh, Either you're going to have to cut your production by a certain amount of percentage, or like I said, you're going to have to hire more people on, but they don't want people to have their pay reduced. That's where the companies are getting uh, supplemented by the government from taxpayer money by the way. So only certain people get to take four-day work weeks. Not everybody in Spain yet, right? This is a pilot program. But the taxpayers are still paying other assholes to stay home. Don't you love it? I mean, I guess we do it with welfare. So the funny thing about this though, right? When we talk about uh, talk about Spain, and I can't claim the siestonomics. Uh, that is Tyler Durden's post on this Zero Hedge article. But what's funny is that Spain already has epic problems with people not working enough. And maybe this is an exercise in, hey, if we force four-day work weeks on these companies for every employee, then they have to hire more people, right? It's, it's really a stupidity in logic by reducing people, by forcing them to pay the same wage, but hire on extra people. Okay, great. So you're gonna, now you're going to increase your employment right nominally by, I guess, at least 20% of people that now can get a job on that extra day that you're not allowed to have people work, but have to pay them for. But you're now increasing the basic costs of everything in the country by 20%, right? (laughs) So you're going to have a massive amount of just passed down inflation rolling out. Not only that, why would companies stay in Spain if you force this on them? Why would they not just be like, okay, well, peace out. We're going to go somewhere we can have a five-day work week. And not have to worry about paying people extra money to to work less. But one of the funniest things about this entire concept, especially in Spain, you know, I already talked about how they had, they have issues with people not working enough and high unemployment rate. They had a 50% unemployment rate at one point. But also opponents of this mandatory four-day work week are already pointing to the fact that Spain's economy already lags the entire rest of Europe in productivity and innovative capacity. <laughs> so number one, you're gonna you're gonna try to hamper businesses' ability to operate, try to increase their costs by basically 20%. Even if it's paid by the state initially, they want to try to roll this out. They want to, they want to use this as a pirate pilot program to mandatory enforce a four-day work week. And you're already talking about a country that is not efficient, that is falling behind the rest of Europe insofar as its production capacity and and being able to compete in innovative or entrepreneurial fashions. In what world is this a good idea other than in the woke mind of a socialist dipshit who just sees equality as the number one priority above, I mean, look, profit's got to be in there, right? Because otherwise you're not going to have any jobs. You're not going to have any employment. And then everybody will be equal out of a job. 
everybody equal on the bread lines once more. Like, this is just so stupid and so nonsensical. If anything, you should be looking at ways in which you can get more people employed and more gainfully and encourage more businesses to come there, encourage uh, lower bars for entry and as far as innovation, entrepreneurship, rather than trying to make it more difficult and putting your country in a far deeper hole than it already is. Because for every person that gets another job one day a week, you're going to have Five businesses leave Spain to go to greener pastures where they don't have to deal with this working nonsense law that's being put into place. And thus, you're going to have far more people out of work. This is, I mean, there is no economic sense to this proposal at all considering the state of Spain's economy. If you were in some nation wherein you had almost full employment, Right. Let's say you have a you know we have a 98 percent employment rate. Okay, fine. I guess the two percent that aren't unemployed are probably fairly unemployable people. Maybe they're uh, derelict. Maybe they're crippled. Maybe they're old. Uh, you know, whatever they might be. Then I could at least see the argument for trying this. Right. We're just so we we just don't need it. We're just so great. But not when you have an economy that is non-competitive as is. Just. Wow. Just wow, 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 wow. Speaking of wow, 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 I'm a little late to the party on this. Again, the downside to having a weekly show rather than multiple times a week. But this Dr. Lena Wen, right, the public health professor out of GWU, uh, George W. or George Washington University, being on CNN with Chris Cuomo. Oh, my God, man. I mean, that... It's amazing. Again, I'm not going to play the whole video. By this point, you, anybody out there, I guarantee has heard it that's listening to this show. But having this health professor go on CNN, and even Chris Cuomo can't seem to believe it. His, I mean, he's got the face on like he smelled a fart. Like he's just like, whoa, I can't believe the stench of what I just laid out here. But this woman going out there and arguing that we have, that freedoms are number one basically argue that freedoms are given to us by the government. Now the government's taken them away that we have to keep them restricted. And otherwise there's no carrot for people to get the vaccine because our freedoms now have been reduced to the level where they're not simply born in you, right? Every man doesn't have a right to be free. Doesn't have a right to, to travel, to partake in commerce, to feed their family. No, no, no. According to Dr. Wen, now these are carrots. Every freedom is a carrot. Fucking the government is Peter Rabbit coming in, sneaking away your carrots in the middle of the night and pissing off your farmer. Was it Farmer Brown? I can't remember. I haven't re- I really, you'd think I'd know more about my Peter Rabbit considering I've got a small child at home. Soon enough. Soon enough, folks. But anyway, old fucking Farmer Brown will get pissed off. We're the Farmer Brown in the situation. Running out, trying to protect our goddamn freedom carrots from the government rabbits coming in and stealing them in the night. And this bitch is arguing that that is right, that that is just, that this is the right way forward for government. Because if they just allow us to go outside like we have been, well, how are they going to hold it over our heads to force us into mandatory vaccinations, to force us into uh, downloading a health, uh, what is it, vaccine passport, to force us into staying away from our loved ones, into not burying our relatives, into keeping our children out of school. I mean, there's got to be a strong-arm tactic the government can use outside of the monopoly on violence they already have, outside of the taxes that are unconstitutionally imposed on us, outside of all the burdens they put upon our businesses. I mean, this is just insane. 
the level, for somebody to get to this level where they can say this out loud is beyond disturbing. That's the most disturbing thing about this. Not that somebody thinks this, because we already know they are. We already know virtually everybody in government that is on the left has already thought this. And I'm sure plenty of people on the right too, just the power hungry elites have all thought this. They know what they've been doing. They know the conditioning process that has been undertaken during COVID. And that again, if polls are to be believed, you know, some something like 60 plus percent of Americans think that there should be a mandatory vaccine passport. I personally don't believe that fucking poll more than I believe the Putin was once again voted the uh, sexiest man in Russia, a poll he wins every year. But for people to be brazenly talking about this as though it's common knowledge, common sense that we have to cake these fucking carrots out here so that we can dangle them in front of the donkey is just twisted twisted. And I'm sure this chick didn't get fired, didn't get suspended, didn't get anything by George W. There's no outrage. You know, people like us are outraged. I guarantee people on the left aren't. These progressives, like I said, they're pot committed. These people have to go along with this. They have to nod their heads when they, even when they hear the most illiberal, un, you know, unconstitutional, freedom crushing. And again, The people that all these progressives pretend to care about the most, the most underprivileged, the poorest of us get hit the hardest by every single thing that's happened. Immigrants, minorities, poor people in general hit the hardest by every single action the government's taken. But, you know, let's let's make them super excited to get their $1,400 stimulus check from Papa government in the mail as we try to work our way towards UBI. But these people have to go along with this madness because if they don't, they're bad people. They cheerleaded, taking away everybody's rights all this time for the sake of uh, safety, for the sake of not killing the elderly, for all the sake of this bullshit narrative that's been pushed. Now they have to go along. They can't say no. Honestly, people on the left, these doctors could could propose concentration camps for people. If you don't get the vaccine, you have to put into a concentration camp for the good of humanity. The left will go along with this. Because this is a cult now, and these people are pot committed. If they do not go along with every single crazy fucking thing that's been happening, they are bad people. And if there's one thing we know, it's that progressives cannot stand to be bad people. They have to have this cause. They have to have the ego stroking, you know, absolutely psychopathic belief that they are good and right and beautiful and that they are on quote unquote the right side of history because if they're fucking not you're going to see a rash of suicides because these people's egos cannot handle them being the bad guy and they will twist reality to fit that narrative just unbelievably disturbing but you know what's not disturbing pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-p
I know. Scott Horton. No, it's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. Scott Horton. They've also had John, uh, Gene Epstein, who, of course, famously referred to me as the Lions of Liberty's alternative host. Still have never forgiven Gene Epstein. Never will forgive Gene Epstein for that slight against me. Anyway, check them out, guys. Paul's to the wall. Anywhere podcasts are heard. Love these guys. Give them a listen. Okay, coming back in the show. Uh, one thing, you know... I- <laughs> Just talking about the uh, the COVID stuff real quick, and then I'll move on to uh, to some other things. But, you know, I've heard these vaccines now and the way in which they're speaking about the vaccinations, because Fauci's out there, right, bullshitting that there's a million variants and that we always have to have uh, our, our masks on and we have to have constant vaccinations because of these variants. And they're describing COVID-19 vaccinations likened to, quote, softer, software updates to your body. All right, this is... This is how they're preaching these things. Now, that's ridiculous because that basically sets the stage just like what you have with software, just like your goddamn Apple notifications, your stupid iOS uh, every you know three weeks pings you, new update, new update. All that does is make you basically bought into a system wherein you are agreeing, at least intellectually agreeing on the premise that you must get vaccinations from now through eternity. Whatever they might be, you need to get it. Otherwise, you are now presenting yourself as a danger to society. And should these vaccination passports come to fruition, you will now be restricted from doing anything and everything unless you get your mandated update. Now, who wins from this? Well, obviously, the government does. Government control. And this is one more argument for them to have the passports because they're going to say, well, how will we know if people have the most up-to-date vaccinations if they don't have their passport ready? I mean, we can't have people walking around with a one-month-old vaccination. What if a new variant comes in? Which basically, you know, for the same in the same line of thinking, shouldn't we just always go out in the, in the brand new, you know, best possible combat armor that they have on the marketplace? We can't go out in that kind of Kevlar. What if somebody shoots you from uh, from across the street? What if a bird flies into your head too hard? Make sure you're updated on your armor. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely patently ridiculous, especially when Rand Paul, now Rand Paul's been awesome. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give Rand Paul two Paul Lusses, one for this one and one for the next topic we're getting into. So Rand, you get a Apollos. For number one, calling out Fauci on his his unbelievably transparent bullshit on how we always have to be afraid of different variants and how somehow the vaccines wouldn't wouldn't work on any of these variants, right? Because Rand Paul also just owned him in a a fantastic post in which Rand Paul quote unquote pages Dr. Fauci on Twitter with this lovely slam dunk. Here's what Rand Paul said on Twitter. Paging Dr. Fauci, please end the mask theater now that CDC admits evidence that the vaccinated do not carry the virus, right? Because Fauci's argument was that people that are vaccinated could still infect other people. That's why they had to continue to wear two masks even after being vaccinated. Because, of course, you know, all these people are giving Senators Cruz and Paul shit for not wearing a mask in the the chambers when they're speaking, even though you can't fucking understand them, you can't breathe. So I love Rand Paul slamming him after they had that big back and forth over variants, over over Fauci continuing to push wearing masks to people that don't need him or have been vaccinated. Just absurd. 
I'd also argue that if people have, you could, you know what, you should be able to get tested. And if you get tested and you have antibodies, that means you already had COVID anyway. And we've shown that the infection rates to get another variant or get COVID again are almost zero after you've already had. It. So you should also be able to get some sort of little sticker, you can put it on your on your uh, shirt, just like they can, or the uh, the Jewish star illustrated by the uh, Kentucky LP, which by the way, I think, I can't remember if I talked about this on the last show, or maybe I did it in my daily rants. It's all blurring together now because I'm doing the daily rants, but I'll say it again. I, you know, while you could fault the Holocaust, uh, comparison as being maybe a lazy comparison, it certainly got a reaction out of people. And I don't really have a problem with them doing it because as I've said before, oh, you know what? I did talk, fuck, was it on my daily rant? Anyway, it's similar to the Gina Carano thing in that you know, when you look at the steps being taken here, you look at the authoritarian nature of mandating everybody share their health information, that you have papers, please, to show, to exit, to enter anywhere, uh, to travel. That is, I'm sorry, very much in the vein of the authoritarian methods that were used by the Nazis. So while it might be an easy or lazy comparison, some people could say, it is not an incorrect comparison. We are talking about the road to totalitarianism, the road to authoritarian governments, the road to this massive big brother state, which we're already, we've already seen how far down the road we've come. So are you saying that it's somehow out of bounds to make a comparison to what is legitimately a real fear in this country? We're seeing political violence. We're seeing the uh, the Democrats currently try to wield their, their razor-thin majority, right? Razor-thin in the House and the Senate to push through radical proposals, radical rewritings of how we operate our basic voting rights, trying to push through massive changes in far as how people are interacting, how, you know, pushing equity putting trillions of dollars in spending bills on the ring, putting massive infrastructure plans through on what is the literally the smallest, the smallest possible way in which they can get them forward. Have to suspend some parliamentarian just so they can suspend two more filibusters. So they're going to push through two more fucking massive pieces of shit on us, which do threaten to upend America's having the reserve currency in the world, by the way. We're seeing these people use this slight bit of power to push forward massive, just structural changes to our society, to our economy, to our schooling, to the way in which race and class are handled. This is insanity. And they are not hesitating to do it. So, yeah, we're on the fucking precipice. And I don't think comparing it, seeing the terror, seeing the tyranny of the majority and how it played out in fucking Germany, this is not an inaccurate comparison. Anyway, getting back to uh, to Rand Paul, so that was one good job. So, and and again, this this just this entire concept of having to get fucking <laughs> vaccinated regularly, software updates. Who wins? Pharmaceutical companies. They make out like bandits. I'll tell you that much. If you have to now get a vaccine every what three months to update your quote unquote body software, and it's for fucking something as as non-threatening as COVID, which uh, to remind everybody has a 99% plus survival rate for anybody under the age of like 65. What else are they going to say we have to get these things for? We're going to be a society inoculated uh, nonstop for everything 
And, you know, when you have that kind of mass inoculation platform in place, that's where you really do get into a massively dangerous criteria where they're requiring people to put stuff into their bodies, which maybe they're going to test it. Maybe it'll be safe for a lot of people. But are you telling me that for a lot of these diseases, you're not going to have some adverse reaction if you're constantly pumping people full of drugs, either in our basic immunology, in the way in which our immune system reacts, in our DNA, in ways in which people may have certain reactions to a combination of drugs being constantly pumped into them, you know, viruses and drugs created in labs. Yeah, don't we invite more chance that something is going to mutate and get out that's far more dangerous than what we're trying to inoculate ourselves against, like with what could or could not have come out of the Wuhan laboratory? But no, let's go ahead and keep on going down this path, right? Full speed ahead. Brave new world. Thanks, Aldous Huxley. Um, okay. Moving on to the second thing I talked about, let's talk about this fucking corporate bullshit getting involved with Georgia's voting law. Because I'll give Rand Paul his second uh, polis for stepping up and uh, threatening Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption, as well as just talking about how these corporations getting involved in politics to this extent, you know, there should be repercussions. If you're going to get involved in, in the ways in which, and again, I, you know, I'm all for government staying out of, of private businesses, but we have private businesses, well, quote unquote, private businesses and the NFL and MLB only says like, we know they're intertwined with governments and Delta and United Airlines, which are getting massive subsidies and massive bailouts. These are very much entwined with government. When you have these companies fucking virtue signaling and trying to influence the ways in which politics play out to this blatant extent, I don't have a fucking problem with the people that are that are pushing through these bills fighting back. I really don't. Companies should stay the fuck out of politics. And the argument can be made for sure that these companies are adopting this wokeism because they know it aids them at the end of the day. They know that, you know, for example, MLB. Now, they are bleeding people already. You know, we already have sports. And this is where I'm a little bit perplexed by it. But we have these companies that are already bleeding viewers because of the woke bullshit that they had taken on, right? I basically have stopped watching the NBA. I always thought the NBA was a little bit boring. I don't really enjoy watching it. I find it to be uh, an aggravating display of nobody playing any fucking defense and then an absolutely agonizing end of the game with all the fouling and everything else. I just find it to be boring as fuck. But once they adopted the BLM bullshit where everybody's wearing fucking slogans on their goddamn jerseys, where they're walking off the court and boycotting when somebody gets shot by the cops who had fucking fought through six people and had been there trying to rape his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to watch anymore. Period. Even though the 76ers, I'm a Philly fan. The 76ers are playing well. I have zero interest in watching. Maybe I'll watch the playoffs. Major League Baseball, already kind of boring. But I like the Phillies this year. I think they have a good chance. Seeing this shit makes me not want to watch baseball anymore. Because frankly, I don't watch baseball to get preached to about politics, nor do I want to. It's an escape. And the vast majority of people find that same exact allure to these sports, and they are going to walk away. So for Major League Baseball to fucking show their wokeness by pulling the goddamn All-Star game out of Atlanta's stadium is just pandering to the point. And also, let me just say this. I, you know, I've reviewed some of the Georgia law here. I've looked over this voting law. Number one, when it first got released, it actually was stated as expanding access to voting places, 
what the Biden administration has said about it has the Washington Post has come out. The very left-leaning Washington Post has said, this is bullshit. None of what they're saying is true. They're not pull- closing polling locations. It doesn't make getting voter, you know, it doesn't make voting harder in any way. All of this is just Democratic talking points, progressive talking points, saying that it's racist, saying that it'll restrict things. And it's parroted immediately by the imbeciles of the world who never read anything. And now we have Major League Baseball and Delta and Coca-Cola and all of these other companies jumping on and saying that this is racist and it denies access, even though 70 plus percent of Americans want voter ID. Why? Because it's fucking logical. That's it. To argue that voter ID is somehow racist to ask for people is not only the apps. Again, this is the racism of lowered expectations. Are you saying that black people, brown people, whatever, are they too stupid to get an ID? I mean, there was something they did back in like 2016 where they went around in uh, Harlem and they're asking people, do you think it's racist to ask for ID? And every single person, every these are all black people in Harlem. One of the blackest people, uh, places in the world. Every one of these people said, no, no, it's not racist. Everybody I know has ID. They go, is it hard to get ID? No. Why would it be difficult to get ID? What, you fill out a paper, you go to, a, you go to an office, you can take the bus to get there. You can walk there. There's plenty of them. It's not, I mean, how stupid do you think we are? How low is your opinion of black people, of Mexican people, of you know, whatever, Latin American people, of Indian people, whatever they might be? How low is your, is your standard? How low is your expectation for how intelligent we are, uh, how uh, our basic ability to get a simple task done that you think this would be a hindrance to our everyday lives? I'm just like, everybody I know has ID. Of course they do. No fucking shit they have ID. You need ID for almost everything in your daily life to drive a car, to get a beer, to fucking book an airline flight. You know, they're saying it's even hilarious because you need ID to get into like Major League Baseball games half the time. You know, for these expensive seats, you have to show your ID with your ticket or you need to put in your personal information to buy the ticket. It's just like the number, and of course, airlines, I mean, give me a fucking break. The number of times that they restrict your ability to do whatever because you need ID is it's too many to even list. It would take you 15 hours. But they're saying voting is too hard. I don't need to go off on this too long. It's just, it's insane. But I like that the GOP is finally pushing back and saying, okay, fuck you. You're going to get involved with politics. We're going to get involved in pushing back and taking away the government subsidies that we're gifting you. You know, they have ways of fighting back and they should use them. I'm against all subsidies anyway. Good. Take away the antitrust exemption. Let's get some more leagues in baseball here. Take away the NFL's nonprofit status. All of it. In the meantime, I hope that the I hope that Coke does get boycotted. I hope MLB does get boycotted. I hope fucking Delta does get boycotted. I hope all of these people take a nice shot in the chin. Now, Delta being an airline, I'm sure will just get bailed out again, especially with the Democrats in control, but still. I'd like to see it. I want these people to get smacked upside the head. I want them to shut the fuck up and stay out of politics. Go fly people from one place to another place. Thank you. I don't need to be preached to. Come hit a ball with a stick. Thank you. I don't need to be preached to. Hey, make sugar water that fucking kills more people than are going to lose access to their voting rights by virtue of drinking your fucking poison water and getting diabetes, Coke. Shut the fuck up. Make your sugar water and stay out of politics. Now, 
<laughs> I will acknowledge, though, you know, all this wokeness, one you're seeing for corporations, because it does not make to me a lot of financial sense. It makes it, you know, considering, I'd say the vast majority of people that drink Coca-Cola are probably people that are not on the woke left. People that are on the woke left typically probably live in a lot of the coastal cities or big cities wherein you're far more enticed to not be a big fat shit drinking a lot of sugary sodas, right? You're probably not the people that are sitting around buying the, the Walmart 32 packs because people in cities tend to embrace that, you know, that healthy woke lifestyle. Okay, we're going to eat vegan. We're going to drink, we're going to drink a, a fancy tea. I don't drink that soda. I'm going to drink Stewart's or some other fucking Brooklyn hipster brand of soda. If I'm going to be chunky and get diabetes, I'm going to do it in a beanie, damn it. You know, those assholes. So Coke or MLB or NFL or any of these other companies, they're ostracizing their base. They're not ostracizing the woke. So why would they adopt the wokeness? And you'd say, okay, is it because they believe that their base is just going to stick with them no matter what? So that by virtue signaling to the wokesters, they're actually taking the path of least resistance. I mean, thus far, it certainly seems that that is the case. We have not seen, you know, of all sports leagues, you've seen a decline in viewership. And, I, and they're going to have to fucking knock this shit off. I have to think. I have to think. But the question remains, is Coke going to see a financial impact from this? You know, will leftists go out and buy more Coke because Coke came out uh, as woke, right? Or will they continue to drink their fucking teas and drink their lattes and ignore fatty soda shit and all these other products, but just go, oh, good job. Good job, Coke. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours on Twitter. I'll retweet anything that says don't boycott you. And I'll say boycott um, whatever guy's not against the voting law. I, I'm very curious to see if the GOP can actually organize boycotts, if these people, if their base will in fact give them a financial comeuppance. I mean, it's also something that you know, I was listening to uh, to Dave, a part of the problem, he raised a good point in that, you know, you also look at the ways in which these corporations have globbed on to the left talking points and how, and I think there's a, a fair, if we're, if we're going to believe that they're sophisticated enough to, to come up with this on a large scale corporate perspective, and you know, I don't know, maybe we're, maybe this is getting a little bit too into conspiracy theory, but let's say they've got strategists in there that they say, yeah, you know what, if we adopt this corporate bullshit and try to woke it up, right? Woke corporatism. Well, then we're basically placating the assholes that were calling for corporate reform before. Fair enough. I mean, look, you've got big pharma out there and all the wokesters are now big fans of pharma. They're the ones that are pushing for vaccines where they were trying to attack big pharma before for making shit too expensive, for gouging the consumer. Well, they've certainly shut the fuck up. Like I said, they're already pot committed. They basically have to support wokeism and these big corporations now, because if they stop, then they're hypocrites, then they're bad people. And that really could play out insofar as this entire woke culture playing up race division, playing up critical theory. I mean, it's really the same basic concept at its core. All the people that are telling you you're racist, all the people that are saying that we have to force people into different camps and colleges, that you have to adopt all wokeism, that you can't criticize black people, you can't do you know, X, Y, and Z, that white people are to blame for everything and wrong in society. All these people that really would be considered racist and bigots and horrible people, should they be wrong, they are pot committed. And if the corporations have identified that fact, if they say, look, these assholes can't turn back now, 
right? We'll virtue signal to them and they now cannot attack us because if they attack us with their positions, right? We have taken their positions. If they attack us, they are attacking themselves. They are admitting that what they believe is horseshit, that they are bad people and that they have been hurting the evolution of society rather than helping it. Now, if that's to be believed, I give the corporations a lot of credit. I'll tell you that much. It's very clever. And I don't know, from everything that I know about the private sector being uh, far more intelligent than the public sector and probably uh, being more well-informed, certainly possible. I guarantee there are at least 25 steps ahead of government. That's for goddamn sure. But, you know, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, fairly smart cookies. Let's see what they can do. It's going to be fun to watch. Really interesting stuff. And, you know, there's one thing I was laughing about is how this woke and I almost titled the episode uh yeah, maybe I still will maybe it'll work its way in I haven't titled it yet but I always going to title the episode is woke capitalism going to be the end of crony capitalism actually I I've, I've talked myself into it god damn it it is going to be the title of the episode because that's what I was really thinking about eh, on the toilet is my deep thoughts I was thinking about how this really could if the Republicans, if the GOP get their shit together, if there's enough momentum from, you know, the, the public on this, crony capitalism might actually be the thing that's on the on the block here. Because if they can start to roll back the subsidies, roll back the assistance, roll back the trust suits, all that shit opens these companies back up to having to operate legitimately in the free market. No longer pets of government, no longer hand in hand with lobbyists. That would be a fantastic outcome from them playing their woke cards a little bit too hard. It's going to be fun to watch. All right. What's next? Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, we haven't talked a lot about foreign policy issues on the show uh, in a little while because basically there's been too much going on domestically. But I do want to talk about this quad, right? They're calling it the quad, which is basically... Uh, a fucking Asian NATO that the U.S. is trying to form with Australia, Japan. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, uh, India, right? So Australia, India, Japan, and the United States. They are trying to contain China, right? Very much hearkening back to how NATO was established to contain Russia. But basically now getting us into a very dangerous situation. I already oppose NATO. You guys know this. I'm sure all of you agree that NATO is nothing more than a provocative tool in which to try to lure us into another fucking world war. By virtue of all the alliances we have there, poking the bear that is Russia that doesn't need to be contained. Russia is a paper tiger, right? Their, econo their, their economy is nothing compared to ours. It's not a threat. They're their fucking military is not a threat to ours, other than the fact that they have nuclear weapons that can take us out. So why are we poking that bear? They're not a threat there. The countries in that region are perfectly fine on their own. Let's leave it be. But of course, no, Joe Biden, being a war hawk, has decided that they need to double down in their opposition to China, right? Trump was supposed to be antagonistic towards China, and people were upset about that. But no, Joe Biden comes in and ratchets that up. Because now, and look, I'm not saying that China is not a threat. I'm not saying that China doesn't need to uh, to have changes and that they are. I'm not saying they're, they're some sort of saintly uh, entity. I do think, in fact, that China is dangerous to Taiwan, for sure. And we're already seeing how dangerous they were to Hong Kong in how they've completely. I mean, they're, China's basically ruining Hong Kong. Um, it is no longer going to be an economic hub. 
they've destroyed it. It's going to be a Japanese or a Chinese production hub. It's no longer going to be a, a point of massive commerce because they're restricting the trade, free trade, free speech, and everything else. They just arrested and I think sent to jail for quote unquote democracy advocates in Hong Kong. And this is, of course, after they had promised to basically allow them to be a somewhat autonomous zone with their own laws that would encourage commerce. So China is not a, a good faith actor at this point in time. But I still don't see a reason we need to formalize an entity of, uh, you know, of giant countries that have nuclear arms to oppose China. It seems far more dangerous, far more going down the path of antagonism, of militarism and of war than it would otherwise to say, you know what, why don't we ratchet things back a bit? Why don't we try to get back on the on track to having a, a strong and robust trade relationship? Because that essentially locks in not having a military relationship. I mean, when we talk about what's important to nations, yeah, sure, you want to have land, but China's already got more than enough land. China's not threatening to take over Russia. They they wouldn't anyway. Russia's got too many nukes. So China is basically going to stay around being China with the possible exception of them taking Taiwan. The United States, we, for some reason, decided that Taiwan's little Israel, right, It's a little Asian Israel for us. So we have to protect them at all costs now, too. This tiny nation that really means nothing to us, right? I guess what, as as a mini trade partner, as a a military partner, China got pretty upset when we sold a bunch of uh, planes and missiles. But really, no reason for us to antagonize another superpower over this. The real peacemaker is trade is having economies that are linked together so tightly, and ours were, and probably still are to some extent, but not where they used to be, but are linked so tightly that to have open warfare would be absolutely destructive to both economies at home. And if you have your economies at home destroyed, well, you're not going to be able to produce as many weapons, are you? You're going to have a population that is pretty fucking pissed off and might want to overthrow that government, get somebody new in power there. Thus, you are enticed to not fuck around. You are enticed to keep things pretty much status quo and very peaceful to keep yourself in power. Joe Biden and his administration clearly have no interest in that. I guess they don't want to stay in power. Fucking stupid. All right. uh, Last thing. Let's just, you know, I haven't talked about the uh, Chauvin, Derek Chauvin or Chauvin, however you say his name. But <laughs> I mean, the guy at this point, I, I like I said before, I don't think there was any chance he was not going down. Um, basically, he had to. The guy's got to take take the bullet for everybody else, because whether or not you could argue that he was right and justified in what he did or not, based upon his training, I had already said even though I do not in any way think this was a racist act, I think that trying to make it as though it was some sort of uh, overt racism was ridiculous from the get-go. But that aside, did uh, George Floyd deserve to die? No. Should he have gotten off his fucking back? Yes. Should, he, should the police be training people to put their knee on the back of someone's neck? No. Now, TBD, if really George Floyd would have died anyway from the amount of fentanyl in his body. One could argue that is very much the case, right? And especially having seen the coroner's report, wherein they say that there was no real damage to the spine or neck or anything like that. Okay, fine. But when someone's yelling on the floor that they can't breathe, you might want to give them a little bit of uh, a breathing room there, maybe flip them over, especially when you've already got them handcuffed, 
on the ground, face down. You're surrounded with four cops. You don't need to hold him down like that, period. There's no excuse for it. So the, it looked, though, because of the training procedures, it looked like he might have gotten off. No longer. <laughs> Especially because you've got Black Lives Matter activists and this chick, Maya Eccles, uh, oh, she also is a sign model with IMG Worldwide. Well, she must have a very difficult life. She is uh, basically saying in her TikTok video that cities will burn if he is not convicted. Well, no shit. No shit. Everybody already knows this. This is basically the threat that's been holding over the entire time, which is why I would not be surprised if behind the scenes we didn't see some sort of deal that was made between either the police union or some union or the city, whatever it might be, that they will in a, you know, no signed documents, no official paperwork, no recordings, but basically say, look, you're going to take the rap for this, man. What we will do is quietly pay your family out. We'll take care of him because, you know, he's dying in prison. He's either going to have to be kept in solitary or he'll be dead in day one in prison. Guys, just get, he's going to get stabbed and, and he's going to be taken out. So in exchange for you taking this rap, because, you know, there's no way you're not going to get it. Somebody's going to kill you on the street if they don't kill you in prison anyway. So you're a dead man walking. But we'll pay your family out. Your family will be taken care of for the rest of their days. We're going to give each one of them $5 million uh, to go away. Because the damage that's going to be done to the city, not only here, but cities across the country, is something we can't have again. And should things, should he somehow not be convicted? I think there's a 0.0 chance of that. But should he somehow not be convicted? then we're going to have to see cops step up. You're going to have to see National Guard come in. You're going to have to see some real violence. I'm talking about literally shooting people. And I know you say, what, Brian, you're a libertarian advocating for government force to come in and shoot people? Yeah, I am. Yep. We reached that point in the in the protest before. When they turn into riots, when you have people being beaten on the street, when you have cities burning down, when you have entire city blocks on fire, open looting, you need to have people being shot. That's it. If they're not listening in any other way, well, I'm sorry. If I'm a store owner, I'm allowed to protect my property by shooting somebody. If you're a cop and somebody's not listening to you and they're armed and they're looting and they're burning down things, look, if you burn a building down, that is, I would say, arguably, if not First-degree murder, attempted murder, second-degree murder. You don't know who's in that store you're burning to the ground. And people did get burned alive. I want to remind everybody. Store owners did get burned alive and burned to death during this. So, yeah, you get shot. You can't just go around burning fucking shit down, carrying guns in the streets, mugging people, shooting people, as the case in Chaz Chop. You can't do it. You need to have order, period. And I, when it reaches that point, yeah, come on in, government. Let's go. Shoot some fucking people. Restore order now. It's done. If there's a protest of people against the government, I would, I'd have a very different opinion. But when you have people on people, when you have innocent people being just beaten, their fucking entire livelihoods destroyed for the sake of racism, nope. Get your gun out. So anyway, yeah, Derek Chauvin's going down for sure, 100%. So uh, take it to the bank. I don't know if there's any betting odds you can get. It's got to be minus 70,000, but go ahead and put your life savings on it because dude's going to jail. Um, all right, that's it, guys. Wow, it's a little bit shorter episode today. You know what? Yeah, that's it. 
those are all the things I had to talk about. So we'll wrap it up here, guys. I want to remind you about Lorenzotti, Italy, by the way. Great coffee from friends of the show, longtime supporters. Check them out. They not only have fantastic coffee, they went over to Italy. They found the beans, right? These are the greatest espresso beans that you can have. I don't even make espresso with it. I just make regular coffee with it. But it's damn good. Damn rich. And uh, yeah, check them out. You can use promo code ROAR to get 10% off of your order. But also, if you're interested in starting a coffee house, these guys help you out. They're entrepreneurs that look to not only provide excellent coffee, but also if you're an entrepreneur, you want to open up a coffee shop, you have a restaurant, you're looking to lease some equipment, get yourself a nice espresso cappuccino machine in there. These guys can help you out. So check them out. Lorenzotti, Italy. Lorenzotti.coffee. Right, that is the website, Lorenzotti Italy, and Lorenzotti.coffee is the website to check them out. Again, use that promo code ROAR to get 10% off. All right, that's going to do it, guys. Remember, Mark Claire on Mondays with the flagship Lions of Liberty show, me every Wednesday, rocking your ear holes to the uh, sweet sounds of Liberty Jazz. Let's keep it up with it. It's the thing I've ever fucking said in my life. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, well, if you see me at Porkfest, feel free to uh, come up and flick me right in the dick for that one. Because uh, I think we are going to Porkfest, by the way. We're working out the logistics of that. But I think we will probably be there Friday and Saturday at Porkfest. And we're just trying to work out where we're going to set it. If we're going to get a tent, if we're going to get a beer pong set up there. I might try to hit up Matt Kibbe. I've heard he has a lot of space. Maybe, I don't know, we maybe talk to punk rock libertarians, see if they want to go jointsies, go into twosies on a tent. It's a huge fucking pain in the ass when none of us are anywhere close to Porkfest trying to get the goddamn logistics worked out. But anyway, Dennis over there is doing an awesome job. Um, so anyway, if you're at Porkfest, we should see you. I'm off topic. All right, back on topic. <laughs> Listen to Finding Freedom with John Odermatt on Fridays. Uh, he just did an awesome show, by the way. So if you want to go back, he had an interview about these two Navy SEALs convicted of, of a, basically raping and murdering a girl. But it's like this story is like, like twisting and turning. And there's a documentary you can watch that's out now. Uh, really fascinating. I think the guy's JD. I want to say JD Steele, but I'm making that up. Anyway, check it out. Great show. And uh, that's it. Like the show. Share the show, please, guys. If you can, give us a five-star review and please share the show. Tell people about it. It is the best way for us to grow. We're uh, busted humps over here to give you guys some awesome content. And uh, we're really trying to break out this year. Like I said, we're trying to get to the next level wherein we can give you more show. We can really designate a lot of our time and take away from having to do a nine to five jobs and focus on uh, doing a lot more with the podcast, getting more video stuff in. And yes, even getting a uh, animated cartoon of Do Nothing Man finished. We're looking into that. We think this year it is possible for us to do that, but we need your help. So go to patreon.com slash lions of liberty. Get in there, get my daily rants, listen to the do nothing mans, listen to conspiracy corners, listen to degenerate gamblers and all that good shit. Okay. Enough pitching. Okay. Good night. And good luck for me, Brian McWilliams from the lions of liberty and from electric liberty land. Always stay plugged into Liberty.